Welcome to ProctorCast, where we bring you plain English interviews all about the most relevant procurement topics of the day in short, coffee break-sized episodes. Because hey, time's precious and you have got value to deliver. So now let's get straight into this week's show. Yes, welcome to another episode of ProctorCast, where every two weeks, we bring you new and innovative content in the procurement space. And this time round, we're going to be taking a bit of a journey into operational and tactical end of procurement to tackle the age-old chestnut of procure to pay and where does it actually belong and what can we do to make our lives easier and to make sure that we don't consistently get involved in invoicing issues. Because yes, I know Every single one of you out there at some point in your career has dealt with day-to-day hassle of invoicing and payments with suppliers. So to tackle this topic, I've brought onto the show an expert in this field who actually runs her own network called the Procure to Pay Network, which is, well, I'll let her introduce what it is. Without any further ado, I'd like to welcome Ellen Leith from P2P Network to the show. Hi, Ellen. Hi, James. Uh, thanks very much for having me here today. Uh, it's great to uh, chat to you and to reach out to your network as well. So, yeah, P2P Network, we've been we've been running for the last 10 years or so, probably a little bit more than that now, actually. It's just something which has gone by in, in a flash. So we have a network of around 15,000 people. Some of them are procurement professionals as well, but mostly in finance, accounts payable and P2P. And a lot of the people in that network are very interested in what's going on, what's innovative and what's new in that environment from term, in the terms of technology and also anything new which has come up in, in processing. So it's just our view, really, to have a, a space for them, a space available for them to come to and to find out how to do things a little bit differently, a little bit better, and also to network with other people, because quite often you can find yourself uh, sitting in your office, in, in perhaps in the old days, but now even more so perhaps at home, and not being able to lift your head up and think, actually, I'm not the only one going through these issues. There's lots of other people in, in, in the same space dealing with the same challenges that I am. So it's our view, really, that to, to, to provide this space for them, to everyone to come through together and to help each other, I guess, in a way. So, so what's your mix then, Ellen, in terms of split between finance shared services and procurement professionals, would you say, as a, as a sort of best guess? I suppose it's mostly maybe around 70 odd percent finance professionals. And within that, that does include people in the shared service space as well, probably pushing up to about 80, 85 percent there. And then the rest is taken up with procurement and some treasury and accountants as well. So you touched on a few good points when you were giving a brief intro into into the different types of areas that you cover. And, And tech is obviously a big one in terms of, you know, facilitating ourselves as procurement professionals to make our lives easier and to take some of the the day-to-day transactional work in this space either away from us or to automate it uh, and enable you know us to have much better data around that and suppliers and stakeholders alike to be more sort of self-serving in being able to 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 find out where their invoice or where their order is in the system let me start by asking you a very loaded question but I'm interested to get your thoughts on this is P2P or should P2P be considered part of operational procurement or, or part of finance, do you think? 
<laughs> well, it's a, it's a really interesting question. And, and I think that the very fact that it's something which is being asked sort of highlights the fact that there are there are so many similarities between the two, or at least there can be as definitely an in, interrelated function. So I think there's something to be said for actually having an overview across those two functions. So not sitting within one or the other, but actually working together, um, whether that's through business partnering or having some inter- interrelated KPIs so that those, those functions are not totally siloed. OK, you know, th- this is this is on the procurement space and this is accounts payable uh, or P2P. I think it's, you know, uh, the very fact that we're asking that question shows that there's friction between those areas. And why is there friction? Because they're not speaking to each other as often and as clearly as they need to be because actually the output of some of those um, functions tie in very much with each other. And, and yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think regardless of where it sits in any organization, one thing is clear. If if a supplier hasn't been paid for for whatever reason, then the hot potato usually <laughs> ends up landing on a buyer's desk uh, and not in shared services or, a, or accounts payables lap, because ultimately, as procurement, we own the supplier relationship. So if we're ever going to get rid as a function of, of dealing with payables issues, there are a few things that we can tackle here. And the obvious one one, you know, is technology. So of your, if you've got 15,000 members or 15,000 people in on, on your on your email list, does do people generally see a general reduction in day-to-day transactional work as a result of technological innovation? And, and I guess the second part of that would be, what area typically do you find has the highest level of automation or technological infiltration and or penetration and, and what do you see as still being areas that are in most organizations still very much untouched when we look at you know what the different aspects that bring that that, that bring together p2p and i'm talking things like master data harmonization self-service invoice portals seamless integration of pr to po you know purchase order acknowledgement delivery note goods receipts there are whole different areas of this so what what are you seeing as general trends well, it's funny, actually, that going back to your, your statement about the hot potato, I, I think there are probably quite a few people working in accounts payable and in P2P that, that would say, actually, do you know what? Sometimes the potato lands in our lap as well. And again, it's a having, having that visibility between the different functions and seeing where they tie in. Because sometimes, and I think this is an area, just to touch on the point that you've made just now, that still needs a certain amount of automation because for example perhaps the PO wasn't raised perhaps it didn't go through the right channels properly or perhaps the the, the, the terms that were agreed in procurement perhaps they weren't put forward as part of as part of the contract that accounts payable were one able to fulfill and knew that they had to fulfill so there's a little bit of breakdown between the communication sometimes but actually having that three-way three-way matching or in some instances, like you said, whether we can do the invoice flip. Sometimes that doesn't work as effectively or as well as it should. And that's the piece where the automation can really make a huge difference to something which previously, historically, had been a very manual process. And where you've got any kind of manual process, then, of course, there's, there's plenty of room for error. And, and, of course, you know, where there's any, where there's any error, you can get 
there's all sorts of inefficiencies, both time and monetary inefficiencies. And like you were saying, a breakdown in the supplier relationship. And of course, the, the, the relationship to, to a large extent is owned by the, by the uh, buyer in the procurement space. But, you know, the, it, from a business sense, actually, we all want to keep those suppliers on board. So the people working in and across P2P and an accounts payable, they want to keep those suppliers happy as well. What the last thing that they want to happen is to have that um, supplier on the phone, which still happens a lot, even though we do have the, the portals saying, you know, where, where's my invoice? What's happening? So if we can actually automate those areas more, then it just takes away some of those inefficiencies and raises visibility as well. And once you've got that visibility in, in place, then, of course, you can start reporting on that as well. And it takes the whole thing away a lot more from being purely transactional uh, into some of the more strategic functionality, which, of course, is wh where people want to be rather than just keeping on going through um, a transactional piece that the automation can really take away some of that hard work there, unnecessary work. I think you touched on two very, very interesting points there, and I'd like to just briefly explore them. One is around the technology can automate a lot of manual work and can take that away that from from an employee and, and, and do that in and of its own in terms of three-way matching and, and the automation there. But you also raised a very, very valid point, which is you can't digitize a broken process and if there is if there is no education of requisitioners or stakeholders of what the process is and people are ordering things without a po or they're not aware of how to fill out a purchase requisition or they're not using the the preferred vendors it's never going to fix that so i mean i've been on the on the wrong end of you know a, po a poorly rolled out p2p process in the past and the amount of day-to-day operational issues that resulted from that through lack of training just prevented me from doing a lot of strategic work that I should have been doing so you know that very very that very much resonates with me personally so let's let's go a little bit into the future now in terms of and I'd like to explore this in two particular strands in terms of where do you see this going so first of all with the tech there's there's a growing trend now of best of breed solutions being sort of cobbled together in terms of picking and choosing certain aspects of procurement strategy and and bringing in tech solutions to solve those whereas some of the more traditional p2p platforms have been sort of all-encompassing i'm thinking more now of the the enterprise level solutions that are out there do you think that the availability and, and the reduction in price of this technology as we go forward will enable smaller businesses to take advantage of some of the automation that's out there Absolutely, yes. I think that historically, it, you were really looking at uh, enterprise size organisations and it was only people working in, inside those kind of larger companies that could actually take advantage of the automation that's in, that's, that was available. But now, yes, very much so. Some of the SMEs are taking advantage of that. And that can only help in terms of making the whole supply chain that bit more robust and, and risk free to some extent, because the whole business model has changed now that we are more happy uh, in the business space to um, go into the cloud and to have cloud technology and, and people are no longer scared of that in terms of the security um, and the availability of that in terms of all of the um, technology providers 
then I think that a lot of the SMEs will certainly start to take advantage of that. And like you're saying, you don't have to, even if you're not an SME, even if you are an enterprise size organization, you don't necessarily want to buy one all singing and dancing suite. You might actually want to take the best of the best of the technology that's available for those different functionalities and use that rather than just have one huge mega beast and, and implement that. But of course, I think ultimately it comes down to making sure that you've got that change management piece in place as well. You were talking about the communication and it doesn't really matter whether you've got a huge end-to-end uh, piece of tech- technology or whether you've got um a sequence of rather smaller best of breed technologies, uh, I think that you need to make sure that the people at the end of that know how to use it, not just the people that were involved in, in the procurement process of that technology. You actually want to make sure that the end users who are going to be using it day to day know how, and also most importantly, know why they're using it too and how it ties into the overall strategy of their department and as, and as the business as a whole. You know, How does it fit in? What is our overall business? And how does what I do each day using this piece of technology tie into that? I think that's really important that people understand that. And really, I think it helps in terms of productivity and for their own career sense to know why you're doing something. And it's also meant to facilitate, it's, it's meant to make life easier for users, isn't it? I mean, so if you look at if you look at probably the most famous ERP system out there, it still has you know a, a UX and a functionality that looks like it's from the 1990s, whereas <laughs> a lot of these new best-of-breed P2P systems are very much designed with the user in mind, with the whole sort of Amazonization of the internet in terms of user experience and user interface. And if it does make it easier for the end user, for the requisitioner or for the invoice approver to use, then logically it's going to, I think as a self-fulfilling prophecy, increase compliance as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think I was just talking about uh, something similar to somebody the other day and where you've got a culture of acceptance of this kind of technology. Actually, it breeds an overall sense of innovation and people wanting to take part in something as well. And, and once you make anything easy, whether that's from the user interface and so actually what it looks like and also how you use it, then people, then people do, you know, it's just, it's just a natural human thing, isn't it? If you, if something's easy and you know why you're using it, then you do. It's the path of least resistance. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So my last question, Ellen, before we sign off, something that I'm particularly interested in, in terms of, you know, being, located myself in eastern europe what what are you seeing in terms of trends with with business process outsourcing and with with how large organizations are are getting their heads around staffing their shared service centers Is, is there still very much a trend towards outsourcing this with with bpos or putting it in low cost countries or with the whole covid19 and supply chain de-risking are they seeing this as a potential banana skin as well and they're looking to bring it closer to home or to nearshore it well it's interesting because just shortly before the the covid situation hit we ran a survey to see what what people were intending to do what businesses were intending to do we did actually see some movement, even at that stage, towards moving towards near, near shoring. And I would imagine that will probably will increase 
although I don't really think that people are going to um, rip out the existing infrastructure that they put into place. So I would say that it's going to be something more of a of a, of a gradual process rather than people saying, actually, do you know what, we're, this is what we're going to do and we're going to do it tomorrow. But I think what is happening is that organisations are checking their supply chains a lot more and making sure that they've got something else in place in case something goes wrong within that supply chain. And, and I think that's where, again, where technology fits in with this as well, because you're able to look in real time into what's going on and where you can quickly change if you need to. Obviously, in the past, that wasn't possible. Events overtook the circumstances and and it was a lot more reactive. Now, I think with the technology in place, people are able to be, you know, a lot more proactive with with their, you know, what they need to do and make any changes that they they need to. And is there... Is there a growing trend of companies bringing this function back in house, regardless of where they of where they locate it, or, or are BPOs still very much uh, on vogue? I think it depends on your business model and also the, the the type of type of business that you are. We have seen some move towards bringing it back into house, and and I think that with the technology is as it is at the moment so that's that's probably going to be something which increases. Yeah. But you know, I don't I don't think it's happening anytime soon i don't know what do you think what have you seen i I've, i see a mix in terms of being out here in sofia there's that it's a huge bpo outsourcing center and mm-hmm. and there are a couple of organizations that that have their own in-house shared service centers tactical procurement planning out here but there are also huge bpos that tackle everything from operational to procurement right the way through to to customer service and it support and you know typical outsourced functions so it's it's difficult to say really yeah there's a mixture of there's a mixture of the two but i'm not really close enough to understand what the general trend is I, I do think it's something which is going to be gradual. Like, like I say, I, I don't think people are going to um, rip up what's already in place because it's they, they've taken a lot of time to, to build something. And I think that the drivers towards doing that are still there. That hasn't changed. What has changed is people's perception of risk. Some businesses will think, well, OK, we'll, we'll bring that back in house while others will just make a, just take a closer eye on what's all, what, on what's going on maybe put in another level of, of support in terms of putting, I don't know, having an overview. And, and that is something which has changed. I know some business titles have changed um, to make sure that they are looking into what's going on in, in their supply chain and also across, uh, across different shared service centres as well. Wow, so that's a, a, a huge amount of value in a very short 20-minute podcast. But thank you, Ellen, for those insights. Last thing, if anyone in the procurement space would like to dip into the huge amount of knowledge that you have within this network of 15,000 people, what's the best place that they can learn more about it and sign up? Well, and we've got an annual event coming up, actually, on the 8th of June, which we would love people to come along and find out more about us. And also, obviously, chat to anybody else that's going to be there as part of the event. We've got some fantastic speakers, undoubtedly, some of whom you'll know, not just you, but everyone listening today as well. But yes, so do come along. It's www.p2pnetwork.org. And just come along and join us. Or you can link in with me on, on LinkedIn. I'm Ellen Leith. And that's at the P2P network. But yes, we're, we'd love to have you there. 
either at the event or LinkedIn with me and us or to any of the webinars and, and things that we run. And I will link to all of those in the show notes, Ellen, as well, in case anyone who's listening wants to just click and go and see what you're all about. Ellen, thank you very much for joining me. Huge amount of knowledge there. Appreciate you coming on. And yeah, good luck with your event. Thanks very much, James. Thanks for inviting me. Okay, so that was P2P in a nutshell, some of the trends and some of the frustrations and what we're seeing in the industry from someone that has a wealth of knowledge in that field. And not only that, but 15,000 members as a network too. So if you're interested in P2P, Ellen's definitely someone that's very valuable to know. We're back again in two weeks' time with another episode of Proctorcast. Until then, if you like us, then don't forget to click on subscribe in your favorite podcast player and hop over to LinkedIn and join the Proctopus group on LinkedIn if you want to communicate with us there. Until next time, look after yourselves, take care. Cheers. Thank you for listening and bye for now.